Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. All right. How are we doing, guys? We doing good? All right. We have um, young adult children in our home, and we... They are in and out all night, and we just decided this morning, like, that's it. No more Saturday night social for anyone. Kevin was so tired this morning that we were in the Dunkin' drive-thru, and he, he was just reading the menu, and he's like, I'll have a summer sipping drink. And I was like, that's not a drink. You can't just read the advertisement and order a summer sipping. They don't know what you want. He's like, I am so tired. I can't even order my coffee. Anyways. All right, so we're glad to be with you guys today and uh, keep moving through the book of Acts, which I just find so life-giving and so exciting. Um, but I, I wanted to start off by telling you guys, I wanted to contrast two of my job experiences. And the first one, when I was 17, um, the summer in between uh, school years, I was looking for a job. And my friend told me about a job at a large apartment complex to be the swimming pool attendant. And I thought, this sounds perfect, you know, for like a teenager, like I can work on my tan, I can be poolside all summer and get paid. And I showed up at the job and uh, I it ended up being the worst job I ever had because I feel like I was just thrown into the deep end of the pool with no flotation device. Um, they basically were like, here you go. Your job is to keep the pool chemicals balanced. And, and um, they essentially handed me a list of rules that I had to enforce to the adults. But there was like zero training whatsoever. It was like, here you go. Just go do these five jobs, right? And um, I realized very quickly that I was very uncomfortable going up to adult, adults and telling them to follow rules. It was like the worst worst position for me. And so basically I just let people do whatever they wanted. And then, but then the adults would come up to me and be like, that baby's in the pool without a swim diaper, you know? And I'd be like, oh, I have to go talk to the mom and tell them to follow the rule. You know, I just was hoping people would magically read the posted rules and decide those were a good idea for everyone, right? But I had to tell people, you can't have food, you know, but only because people would complain. But it was the worst, worst job ever because no one gave me any tools, no training to be successful at this job. Well, I want to compare that to um, what it was like to uh, to be a teacher, to prepare for this teaching job that I was given. And um, anyone else go through school to become a teacher? Anyone out there? Sarah, Kevin, a couple of you guys. Well, it is an amazing process because first of all, you take classes. Carolyn, did you put your hand up? She's cleaning her glasses. Oh, okay. I went back to her. Whoops. I pointed that out. <laughs> Sorry. Um, she's excellent at what she does. Yes. Um, so anyways, you go, you take classes that teach you how to teach, right? And then not only do you take classes, well, then they make you take a class where you're in the classroom just observing. And then the next step is that your senior semester before you graduate is you student teach. And so they pair you with a master teacher. And they, they, you, first of all, you work with this teacher where you, again, you start just getting to know them. You go to the classes, you're with them in their classes. And then she hands you, she handed me one class, all her notes, all her books, all her practices, one class. And I start teaching the one class. And then she observes me and she tells me, try this and don't do that. And then you take two classes, right? 
And all of a sudden you have all her classes and then you turn around and you're like, where'd she go? You know, like she's, I was like, that is a good gig. But, um, but I, I remember specifically one day she gave me her notes and I'm teaching her notes and I'm on the overhead machine and I'm in like going through her notes and the kids have their fill in the blanks. And I taught, um, foods and nutrition, um, which was mostly just kids wanting to make Kool-Aid and brownies. It was such a disappointment to me, but I was, um, going through her notes and I remember we were talking about, I can't remember what it was exactly. I think it had to do with the fact that um, it had to do something with beans and how they're broken down in the body. But I'm going through, I'm teaching exactly her notes. And I come to a word I didn't know, but I just used it. It was flatulence. And I'm like looking at it, and I'm like flatulence. And then I look at her, I'm like, I don't know what flatulence is. And she's like bright red, and she's like, it's gas, you know? And like all of the high school kids are, but anyways, that's what happens when you just teach someone's notes, Right. But when I, when it came time to get that first job, I was prepared. I felt ready. I knew how to interact with students and parents. And I had practices and, and curriculum all behind me uh, because I was trained for the job. And um, as we have been looking through uh, the book of Acts, as we've decided that as a church, that this is the model for us today, that this is the d- DNA that we carry from that, from um, those first days of that first church into our current lives, our current church building, that this is what we're going to give ourselves to. We see that Jesus actually gave that first church a very clear job, a number one job, a very clear job, and the, the equipping and the training that was necessary that they would go out and be successful with that job. And I want to do today is I want to look at this job. And I want to say that that same job that was that was um, spoken over and, and commissioned in that first church is still our number one job as a church. And here's what I see in Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. And it says this. Jesus is speaking this. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus is defining this job for the church. You see what it will be? You will be a flatulence, a witness, a witness. You will be a witness. You will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I am going to give you something so great. I am going to give you a deposit of my very spirit in you. It is so great. And it is so great because the job is so great. You will be a witness. You will be a witness. And so they're sent out with this calling and this destiny and this commissioning. And so what was that like? How did the job go for those ones that were sent out to be a witness with this job description and this training? Well, I'm going to do a really quick run through of the book of Acts. And I just want to show you glimpses of what this job looked like in real life. People went and lived it out. And here's what we see right from the beginning. Um, in Acts 2.14, Peter stands up and he talks to the crowd and um, he's sharing, he's sharing what he knows, what he has seen. He's being a witness. And what happens? 3,000 are added, instantly added to the church in that moment. So I would say Peter was up for employee of the month, no doubt about it, right? Um, and then Acts 3, and I, I told this story a few weeks ago when we talked about healing. And I hope you guys are leaning into healing. I am still leaning in to healing prayer. And I, I talked to Krasimir this week, and he's saying that his shoulders still experience healing in his body and celebrating that. Um, but in Acts um, 3, where uh, they Peter and John, 
uh, heal the man at that gate uh, that had been lame for 40 years. And people come running. It says that the crowds actually came running. And they were astonished because of the witness of the power in the name of Jesus, right? And it says at the, at the, the next bit of this story in Acts 4.4, 4, that again, so many people heard the message and they believed. It said 5,000. And this is just men. Grew to 5,000 again in a moment. And uh, all the religious leaders are watching this happening, this witness before their eyes and the crowds and the people that are amazed and believing. And, um, and when they, they, it says this, I love this in Acts 4.13, the religious leaders are watching all this and says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. I love this, this scripture right here. This thing makes me stop and pause because right here we see these are ordinary men doing the job. These are uneducated, untrained men. And this is so encouraging to me because I am like me too when it comes to this, when it comes to being a witness or it comes to praying for a healing, um, or, or to stand in front of a crowd. It's like I, I put myself right there uneducated and untrained, right? Do you guys do that too? Like, if you think about, wait, this might just be for the, the very powerful, the few chosen, right? No, right there, that scripture leaves us without an excuse. Uneducated, untrained men. And just a few months ago, these two uneducated, untrained men, their witness was at like a giant zero out of 10. Remember, Peter and John, like when Jesus was, was arrested, they ran <laughs> They were not a witness of anything except for like the back of my, my back, the back of my back, my back. That was all that was a witness to the people around them, right? They were out of there. They were out of there, but now they're doing the job like a boss, right? Okay. So the job of witness was put in the hands of these men that just months ago had run the other way. So the book of Acts goes just on and on and on. And we see the whole church of ordinary people. It's not just the two, um, you know, we know these men were insiders with Jesus, right? But it wasn't just these two. It was a whole group of ordinary people doing this job. So here's a few more highlights. Um, in Acts 6 and 7, there's this guy, Peter, and um, and, a, and a bunch of other guys, and they are providing food for the hungry in their city. They're doing that that awesome work. And um, and again, there was like opposition to the the work they were doing. And Stephen is put basically on trial and he dies witnessing. He dies witnessing. He dies. It was like that. I will die for this message. I will die to be a part of the, to be a part of this job. Right. And Acts eight, uh, amazing two stories in Acts eight. We have this group of people, Philip. And um, they, they go out and the crowds are hearing Philip and seeing the signs and paying attention to what he said. He's a bit, he's a witness. He's being a witness. And then Acts 9, it starts this whole, uh, it introduces us to this man, Saul, who, um, who is healed by uh, another man, Ananias. And he is a witness. He leads, Saul becomes a believer. He himself becomes a witness and lives the rest of his life for this cause, for this job, to carry it out all over the world. And, um, and we see in Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas, they are, they're on the job. They're in the Jewish synagogue and they spoke so effectively. They were a witness of the life of Jesus, of the good news of the gospel. And obviously Jews and Greeks believing, right? And then it's not just in the synagogue, but we see Paul in Acts 16 with a, a woman named Lydia, but they're just by the riverside. They're just by the riverside and there is a businesswoman, Lydia there. And she, she becomes a worshiper of God through just the witness of Paul. 
So over and over and over again, you guys, all this witnessing is happening as people are living out the, the job that Jesus handed them in real life. And we hit Acts 16, and I want to slow down around this scripture. All this witnessing, it leads to some opposition. And um, Paul is put in prison in Acts 16. And, uh, and as he is put in prison, we know that, that there is this earthquake, that God sends an earthquake, and the chains come off of him. And the jailer um, was, that was his one job, and he was afraid that he was going to um, lose his life because the prisoners were were able to go after this earthquake. And the jailer, Paul is like, we're still here, we're still here, don't kill yourself. And the jailer sees, he's a witness of the power of God um, in, around Paul. And he's like, what do I have to do to be saved? Right? Like he's seeing it this moment. He's seeing the freedom that God brings and the breakthrough in his only response is, I have to know. Uh, something in your life is drawing me. I have to know what do I have to do to be saved? And of course, Paul leads the jailer and his family to Jesus. But this is the book of Acts, you guys, full of stories. Ordinary people doing the job. That's the main point there of that rundown. They're taking the equipping that was given in Acts 1-8, and they're just out being the witness that God, that Jesus said they would be. So let me ask you some leading questions here. Has the God that we are a witness to, has he changed? Since that bit in Acts, has he changed? No, 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 he is the same forever. Hebrews tells us he is the same forever. He does not change. Right, right, right. His faithfulness is the same. His covenant can't be broken. Okay, so has the Holy Spirit, the power that was given, the equipping that was given, has that diminished over time? No, depending on them. No, not depending on the person. It hasn't. That equipping hasn't changed. Um, so has the job that Jesus gave to that first church, has that job changed? Has the job description changed? We like these leading questions, right? So we are still filled to be a witness. And here's why. The people that you stand in front of haven't changed. The, the, the same, same people with the same needs, the same uh, uh, hunger and thirst for eternal life that the people Paul stood in front of and Peter and John stood in front of, whether it was one or a crowd, people haven't changed. The saving grace of Jesus hasn't changed. The need to be filled, uh, deeply filled and satisfied by him hasn't changed, has it? So job is the same. The call is the same. The equipping is the same. But here is, here is the problem. When I start thinking about this, this job, how, how I really feel about this job, guys, I, I can know all the facts and I can know the calling, you know, but here's the deal. When I still look at that job and that call, you are to be a witness, I begin to feel overwhelmed, like the 17-year-old at the pool complex, going, not that job. Like, give me any other job. God, give me and call me to do anything else. I'll do anything else, right? Just don't make me be a witness. You know, do you, does anyone else feel that way? Like, does it seem just a little scary and a little, maybe a little like, oh, please. I don't know if it's because our picture of it is the guy with the megaphone on the sidewalk, right? Or, or the person who comes door to door and they just, they make you feel really uncomfortable for a few minutes, you know? Like, I, I don't know if it's because that, that picture, but I, I know when it hits me, it's like, what? Like, uh, Jesus, I hear that job, but no, 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 thank you. Don't make me do it. And I think I know why. I think I know why when I was digging into this. How uncomfortable uh, is it to have to, again, teach something or do something that you really don't have a grasp on? 
right? Like Kevin, when our kids were learning how to drive, I was like, uh, Kevin, please go. They, they need 500 hours. Like get them out there. Get, let them drive you to get your coffee, your summer sipping, you know, like, please get behind the wheel with the kids. Like, don't make me do it. Why? Because I am a nervous passenger driver. I am, I am like reaching for everything. And like Kevin's, I'm always like, <gasps> I do like a lot of gasping. And Kevin is like, Molly, we are going to get in an accident because of you, not because of me. You're gasping all the time, right? So I'm like, please, Kevin, you do it. It's in you. You're just chill in the car with the kids. You're listening to music. And like, you know, please do like Kevin can teach you how to swing a racket or a club or anything. He can teach you how to swing it. He can teach you how to serve, right? It's already in him. Me, here's what I can do. I can help the kids. I'm always like, you want to whiteboard out your day? Like I literally, you want to come up with a plan for the week? You know, like, what are your goals? Like, let's break them down. And I, we got this, you know, and they're like, I roll like that. Mom, I know that whiteboard is for hangman. It is not for planning out my day, right? But I, I can help you. I can get you there. Why? It's already in me, right? It's already in me. So here's the deal. This is how evangelism Sharing Jesus, being a witness gets comfortable. We share what is already in us. We share what is already in us, right? And so this is my goal today, guys. I want to reframe the job of a witness. I want to just reframe it. I want to give you some job, a job training refresh. So you're like, yes, I could do that. Like that is, I can move into that. That isn't scary. And I, I do believe I have something that Kevin and I have been learning that is so helpful. And that if I can break it down for you, like the master teacher did with the class, and I can give you some steps, some some hopeful help, some practical help, because my job, guys, I really believe my job is to help you live out the dream job. And I believe that living according to the design and commissioning of God is the dream job, that it is so satisfying. It is so fulfilling. It's that, that thing that is meant to actually bring us fulfillment as we step into the design and the identity. I mean, can you guys know what it's like, you know, it feels good when you, you offer someone like a cookie and they love it. Right. But how much more when we're offering something that it, we know brings real hope and real peace that actually we'll get to offer eternity that, that God's grace did that with them. Right. Like the idea of actually helping someone uh, come out of like Paul, the prison, the chains, the one who was, I didn't know. I didn't know God was that real. I didn't know he was that good. I didn't know. Just like all the ordinary people who went before you, right? Just like them. I want to help you walk into what, what they knew. Because you guys, we, we see it in Acts. These people would die before quitting on the job. They would give up their life for it. Why? Because it was so, it was like, it was their, you know, everything to them. They got it. They got a hold of the job. So here's what I want to do. I just want to give us a couple steps. And here's the first one. I want us to rethink the job. It's not the deep end of the pool. Okay. It is not the deep end of the pool. If we, if we think about evangelism, like the pool and that fear of like, you're going to throw me in the deep end. I'm going to tread water until I absolutely drown and make a fool out of myself. Right. That's not what we're doing. If we think that we have to get every answer right. And we have to have every theological answer solved. Do we have to be able to solve the problem of evil for people or explain if creation was literal or, you know, if we have to uh, explain the God of the Old Testament or why the holy wars, oh, I can't do that either, right? Like that is too, too much. And if we feel like it's all of that, 
then we won't carry the fire of the good news. We will run from it, right? We won't. It's too scary. So I want to rightly define the job from the top. And I'm going to use this Greek word for evangelism that we see all over the New Testament. And this word is broken down into two bits. And it just is good and announce or good messenger. And what it means is it is just someone who brings good news. It is someone who has uh, good tidings, good announcement to people around them. It's just like that word witness is what we think of in the courtroom. Tell you what you know. Tell what you've seen. Tell the truth, right? Tell what you've seen. And so here's why I know that ordinary people can do this. Instagram. Instagram people. Instagram. Ordinary people sharing the good things about their life for others to see, right? It's that simple. Here it is. The best spot in my house. Look at my view, right? A good recipe. Uh, a freshly painted toenails. I'm sorry, these are very female. Um, like a place you must visit. Okay, so here's a picture on my Instagram feed. A bear. Coffee drink. I was like, Anna, we have to go drink out of a bear. I, I need this. I need the bear. The summer sipping in a bear, right? And if you swipe, it's an acai bowl also. Like all the good things, right? So this is it. This is, we want to know, like, where must I go when I am in the city? My next, right? We, a place we have to visit right there for everyone to see. So this is why I think Instagram is so wildly successful is that we like to share good things in our lives with others and others want to know where must I visit, right? Where must, where must I get my taco on Tuesday? We want to know where do I go? What must I experience to make my life better? That's the aim of it, right? Right? So if we can do Instagram, we can do evangelism. If we do, do, right? I do. I believe this. I do. I believe this. So in, in essence, guys, evangelism, it's about sharing the good things in your life that God has done or is doing in your life. That's the simplicity of the good news. And here it is, guys. Throughout time, doesn't matter the season. It doesn't matter the circumstance. God is always at work in your life. He is always at work. He is a God who is creating. He is creator God, which means he is can't stop but create in and around your life. He is the author and the finisher. That means he can't stop writing. He can't stop bringing the end into the present. He is redemptive through and through. He is a restorer. He is a worker of good. And he bring about his plans and his purposes. Guys, it doesn't matter if we're aware of it or not, right? He is always at work. He is always at work. And how he works is transformative. He is a transforming God. And so when I give God my life, what I'm handing him is permission to be creating and transforming. I am bringing my life under his creating and transforming power at all times, at all times. And I become an active recipient of behold, I am making all things new. That That statement is alive and well on my life in season and out of season. We could say with Paul, whatever I was, I am a new creation in this moment. We know this. We know the the second Corinthians, right? Where we see that it talks about how as we behold the glory of God, this is why worship is so important. We're being transformed into his, into his image. We're being changed from glory to glory to become like him, to represent him, to be a witness of that very glory. So here's, here's where, again, I just want to make this really simple to rethink the job. I want us to think about the job in a new way. And I just want us to go, okay, so where is 
the transforming power of God alive in me right now? Where is that good work, that good thing about my life, the transformation of God? Where is it alive in in you? Where is your good news today? Where is it right now? And like Paul in prison, again, as it becomes visible, as we see God opening doors and transforming, people around us can't help but to say, what must I do to be saved? Tell me more about what's, what you're experiencing, those open doors where God is moving, where only God could go before you. Where is that? Where is that? And then we just be a witness of it, right? Okay, so that's the first step. Rethink the job. Rethink the job, sharing the good things about your life. So then the second step, guys, is really to dig deep and discover your transformation story. And um, I have notes here, but I also have things printed that I'm going to hand you in a minute. Because if I hand them now, I know you're going to just be reading, right? But I'm going to hand you something that's going to walk you through this. I, I just want this to be so practical and so helpful. And if you do it, I promise you will discover a transformation story that is worth sharing with someone around you. So here it is. Your transformation story has two parts. And I have to blow through these and you guys have to promise me you're going to read them because we're almost out of time. But the first part to your transformation story is the hopeful future. This is it. It is the hopeful future. We all know that we have a hopeful future uh, in Ephesians 1, 8. It's this hope of his calling that is alive in my life, right? He, God calls us and he saves us to a hopeful future. So it is, where is your life headed that aligns with who Jesus is? And again, guys, I'm sorry, I can't, I'm running out of time. I'm going to have to do this so fast. But it's just looking um, at the Gospels, looking at stories of Jesus, looking at who we see him to be and going, this, this, is where I, this is where I'm headed. Maybe it is about the compassion of Jesus. Maybe it's about the strength of Jesus, who he was for people, how he would stop for someone. It's uh, picking something of, uh, of Jesus, the future that we're, we're moving towards to be like him, right? It's picking that and saying, I know that God is authoring this in my life right now. So it's a part, the first part is the hopeful future. And then identifying what would this look like in, in six months? What would this look like in a year or three years in, in my life? So it's a super quick example. Um, I know that, uh, that God is taking me towards, uh, I see in Jesus that he was with people in their current state and he was able to feel with them was able to attune. So like when Lazarus was dead, even though Jesus knew he was going to raise him from the dead, when the people were mourning, he was with them in that emotion, right? And so I know for me, Jesus is taking me into that, to be able to be with people, to be with them in their emotions. Um, and, and so that is my hopeful future. And then the second part is my current reality. And this is so important to be real and vulnerable and authentic with people. It's like, where am I right now in relation to that hopeful future? And a lot of times there's, that's where the gap is, right? And so I could say right now, when someone comes to me and they're upset, I get defensive and I want to fix it. That's what I do. But I know that Jesus is actually helping me. He's making me uh, someone that can be strength and be with someone in their emotions. But I have a current reality. And that's my story. That's my story. I can share examples from my, my life this week. Really current examples of that are really current examples of how God is making me so, so, so a steady in the father's identity in my life. But then I can share a little bit of my struggle, my current reality, my gap, and where I'm still coming into that, the truth of that. Okay. So, um, once we, we figure out where we're currently at, we kind of put those two together. Here's where I'm at, but here is where I'm headed, right? And this is my transformation story. Here's what the hopeful future that God is calling me to. And so then once we have that story, and again, I'm going to give you details on that, we share it. And this is the key, guys. You have to plan ahead a lot of times. So if I know that I'm like going for 
I'll walk with a friend. I'll just, I'll kind of just be like, all right, where's my current story? Because I want to bring that story into this walk. Or if I have uh, maybe have lunch with a coworker, they're like, I'm just going to share a glimpse of my transformation story with them. I'm just going to share the good news of what God is currently doing in my life with this person. I'm going to witness to the transforming love of God in my life. And so here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to just think about, as you take this home, I want you to think about who can I share a little bit of my story? It does not have to be polished, guys. It doesn't have to be 20 minutes. It can be two minutes. It can be three sentences. The whole point is the good news of the transforming power of God alive in your life, current in your life, because it's there. It is there. And then just getting very comfortable with just going, this is who I am. And I am a witness to the reality of God. I am a witness to the reality of Jesus. And um, and learning how to do it anywhere and everywhere. I do it with my kids. I do it with Kevin. I do it, you know, I do it uh, with my staff. I do it anytime I can, I can pull that thing forward again just to remind people this is who God is. So I want us to plan it and I want us to continue to practice it until it becomes routine. Because a lot of times these things feel new and they feel a little clunky and awkward, but we keep doing it. And then all of a sudden it just becomes a natural part of our life. And all of a sudden our life is a witness. (laughs) We're doing it. We're doing the job and it's satisfying and it's exciting. Um, And so I really believe guys that we can't argue anyone into the kingdom, but we can share what we've seen. We can share what's already inside of us. And that's what I want for us as a church. So why don't we stand up? And um, here's what we're going to do. Carly, should we put them on the back table? Okay, will you take one? Guys, I'm serious. This has been, for Kevin and I, it's been very, very helpful in order to really just develop our story and share it and and be confident in it. Um, But I want to pray over us um, and um, and close us out there. Thanks for the grace for, for the extra minutes today. But let's just settle in and um, Holy Spirit, I just thank you for your equipping over us as a group of people. God, I thank you that you are a gathering father and that you are bringing in kids. You're bringing in people to your table. You're bringing us in. You're bringing people into the reality of it as well with my soul and the peace that comes with that and the, and the peace that comes with knowing the grace that covers every shortcoming, that covers it on this earth, it covers it for eternity. I thank you, God, that you are restoring God and that you use us as a witness that you use us, that you have honored us and put in our hands this gift of being a witness to the life and death and good news of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, the peace that comes with being right with the Father. So my prayer this week has been, God, send us out as harvesters into the harvest, workers into the harvest, that you've done the work and we, we are, we get to gather for your name. We get to gather for your name. And God, where we've said that this was a job for the educated and the trained, we see this morning the reality that you put it into our hands through your spirit, you just put it into our hands and that you are a good father who gives good gifts, that this is not too much for us, that this is not overwhelming, 
So you have our yes this morning to go, God. You have our yes to the job. So help us see this week. I pray specifically that we'll see the transforming work of God in our lives. And we'll honor it by telling him. 